The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 265 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is Peace Ranch, Supportive Housing and Rehabilitation for Adults Living with Mental Illnesses. Mental illnesses cover a variety of uh, challenges, and I'm just going to use schizophrenia as an example of a serious mental illness. Now, schizophrenia affects one person of, sorry, one percent of the population worldwide. There's no cure, but it can be treated. It affects men and women. It may be associated with something called psychosis. And this is a mental state which causes loss of contact with reality and which often involves the person hearing voices when no one has spoken, hearing sounds when there is no sound being made, and seeing things that aren't there. Schizophrenia interferes with the ability to think clearly, to manage emotions, to make decisions, and to relate to others. Schizophrenia impairs a person's ability to achieve their full potential, especially when the schizophrenia isn't treated. Schizophrenia treatment requires a plan of care tailored to the person's needs. It involves finding the right medication. It includes rehabilitation for school, work and relationships, support from someone who's lived with schizophrenia, employment and housing opportunities. It involves family caregiving to support recovery and family caregiving to help the family member to manage the symptoms. And it enables the treatment most people living with schizophrenia to lead productive and fulfilling lives, which is why our topic Peace Ranch, Supportive Housing and Rehabilitation for Adults Living with Mental Illnesses is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Eric Tripp McKay. He's the executive director of Peace Ranch and has been that since 2003. He's worked in the community mental health sector for almost 25 years. And during this time, he discovered that his greatest insight has come from listening to the stories people share about their experiences in coping with mental illness. And he says that he's been happy to witness many improvements with the mental health care system during his years of involvement. Peace Ranch is a community mental health organization located in Caledon, Ontario, Canada, which provides supporting housing, supportive housing, rehabilitation programs for people who have serious mental illnesses. He, that is Eric, is 
deeply committed to supporting the many innovative programs and services that help define Peace Ranch as, and these are his words, the place of possibilities. So welcome to the show, Eric. Well, I thank you, Dr. Otherly. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, I am calling from Caledon, um, our main uh, office um, at the Peace Ranch Farm location. And um, so I am, you're speaking to someone at the place of possibilities. Um, is it all right I might, if I perhaps introduce a little bit of our history and how we've come to be? Let, the place let me of ask you. Let me let me ask you the questions uh, in a particular order because that will that will come out. But first of all, before we talk about Peace Ranch, I'd like you to tell us a bit more about yourself, more about your life, career, and any experience you have yourself with family caregiving, Eric. Hmm. Uh, family caregiving is something that becomes part of everyone's life at some stage, whether you're a parent looking after children and their needs or whether you're the child looking after your parents as they grow older. Sometimes in our life we we encounter um, challenges beyond that, the normal cycle of life, and uh, uh, we may encounter uh, a loved one uh, coping with a disability, and that's something I've certainly come across in my personal life. Um, I had a a cousin I was very close to who started to exhibit some psychotic thinking in his late teens and uh, was diagnosed, I I believe, by the time he was 20 with bipolar disorder, and then the diagnosis changed to schizophrenia a year later. Um, And this Circumstance, uh, yeah, I was very sensitive, empathetic, and supportive and encouraging. Um, unfortunately, um, things ended in a tragedy and a suicide. And I think that helped to uh, uh, garner my uh, motivation to um, try to help make improvements in the, the system that supports those um, coping with serious mental illness. That's a very important introduction, Eric. Now, please tell us about Peace Ranch and its mission. What's it there to do, Eric? Okay, well, Peace Ranch began as a group home in 1990, providing residence and recreational programs for 10 people. And this is done in a rural setting located on a 25-acre farm in Caledon. Um, Things were initially headed by Diane officially eaten and concerned families from the Brampton chapter of Friends of Schizophrenics um, who developed this idea and saw it through to its inception. Um, since Peace Ranch uh, started, uh, you know, there's a lot of learning, and I, I still think we're in a place of learning, but we've expanded our services, and um, we've moved in several different directions, and we've become a community mental health agency offering supportive housing, social rehab programs, and um, we welcome individuals with serious mental illness as well as those who are dealing with co-occurring addiction challenges. Um, So we did start uh, very specific to supporting um, adults diagnosed with schizophrenia that weren't responding very well to treatment. Um, which isn't that uncommon, unfortunately. A number of individuals um, with this disability have a minimum response to treatment. Others respond quite well, but there's always a group of non-responders. And I think initially uh, the Peace Ranch was in place to uh, help support those individuals. And um, over the years, um, we learned and, and, and grew as an organization. 
Um, so now when we provide uh, our, our services, it's not as limited in scope. Um, uh, we realize that mental illness affects us all. Um, cost to society due to hospitalization, disability payments, our welfare payments, our lost wages are in the billions of dollars annually in Canada. And other costs associated with the loss of individual potential and personal anguish and family hardship are, are impossible to measure. Um, those are the, the areas that give me the greatest concern. Uh, more hospital beds are occupied by persons with schizophrenia than um, by sufferers of any other medical condition. And uh, that's uh, certainly the case in Ontario, Canada. Um, I'm going to stop you there because I want to just take this question into asking you to give us more uh, more of a picture of the actual work that you do at Peace Rank Ranch. Give us some examples of the way you go about the work and what's involved in it. Okay, absolutely. Um, we engage in a, in a psychosocial rehabilitation approach. Um, we tend to be very uh, client or patient-centered. Um, we try to uh, listen to the, the feedback we get from our service recipients and, and conduct uh, surveys twice a year to ensure that uh, we're meeting um, the needs that our service recipients have. So um, to give you a general sense of some of the things we do on-site, as I mentioned earlier, we have a 24-7 staffed farmhouse um, that's specific for adults with schizophrenia. And at the same location on the farm, we have a vibrant day program. And this is um, uh, made available to um, adults uh, coping with mental illnesses and the surrounding communities. So we're not only serving those in Caledon, but we also work uh, with people residing in Brampton, Orangeville. Um, what makes us unique is also a challenge in providing service when it comes to our day programs. Uh, it's a rural location. It's breathtaking. It's uh, visually stimulating. It's a very therapeutic environment. Um, but accessibility is sometimes a challenge. It's a rural-based program, and there is no public transportation available. That's been one of our bigger challenges over the years on a day-to-day -day basis is coordinating and in trying to improve accessibility. But a day, a day on the farm means uh, many different things. Um, from a day program point of view, uh, we cycle through a variety of seasonal-based activities. And uh, some of the key components here are animal husbandry and horticulture. So we have a variety of farm animals and uh, programs that encourage interaction with the animals. Uh, we also engage in uh, arts, crafts and a, a strong element of health promotion. We've really tried to encourage uh, physical fitness uh, and, and uh, nutrition as, um, as uh, determinants of health. Um, so um, today is, is Tuesday, and uh, Peace Ranch, we have a satellite program uh, located in Caledon East. It's a health promotion program, and it's called Rosie's Kitchen. It's named after one of our farm animals, Rosie the pig. And at uh, Rosie's Kitchen, individuals learn uh, the value of nutrition, how to prepare nutrition, nutritious meals, um, the important aspects of food security, and then there's um, an exercise component after that. Um, and uh, so there's a wide variety of different things we do here at Peace Ranch. Uh, most of our day program activities are on site, 
and we have two um, programs up and running. One is Green Spaces, and Green Spaces is all about connecting people to the natural environment and um, um, working on supporting their recovery. Um, the other program that's a day program service is called Harvesting Hope, and that's working with individuals that live on the margins um, due to their disability, low income, and trying to help them become more self-sufficient, self-reliant, and less dependent on the, the food banks. Um, so those are some of the things we do with our day program services. When it comes to housing, uh, we believe that housing is, is very critical um, well, it's quite evident, um, and yet it, we're all blind to it at the same time and often take it for granted. Um, but uh, we believe that um, to have a safe, clean, and affordable housing is the cornerstone for recovery. It allows people to create a place of wellness and uh, move forward from there. Um, so we joined a large initiative um, it was a homelessness initiative in, in Ontario, and we partnered with six agencies, and we started to provide support to people living in apartments outside of um, our congregate living. Um, and um, I think that's ultimately uh, the target with our services, is to allow individuals to find meaning and purpose in their life beyond... Um, the uh, limitations imposed by their disability, um, despite uh, whether or not they're responsive to treatment. Um, we've had a number of individuals that do suffer with psychosis, but have still found meaning and purpose in their life and have, have become contributing members of society. And I think in right. the end, that's our, our, our goal, is to help people find that place of belonging, that place of self-confidence, that place of purpose. And, I'm going uh, to stop, Eric. I'm going to stop you there only because we have to go into the break time. But I just want to say very quickly to you, I'm hearing you telling telling a story of activities and actions and places and caring yeah. that really give value to people, make the people you're caring for and caring about feel that they have value, feel that they're doing things that are helpful to others, and that you are, in fact, inspiring them. And I, that's just my sort of interpretation of the stories, the story you've been telling us. So let's take the break now. Okay. This is, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Eric Tripp McKay. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. 
To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Eric Tripp McKay. Our topic and it's a vital topic, is Peace Ranch Supportive Housing and Rehabilitation for Adults Living with Mental Illnesses. Now let's talk about the challenges that Peace Ranch addresses with its work. So Eric, my my first question to you is, please say more, please tell us more about the mental ill health that Peace Ranch addresses and the challenges that the mental ill health creates for the persons living with the ill health. Eric? Um, Absolutely. I think that um, it's a unique journey for each person, even though uh, people are experiencing many of the same symptoms. um, Those symptoms may not have the same impact on, on each person. So I find as individuals learn to cope and make sense of the world around them and, um, find connections and are able to make sense of things. Um, I, I find the journey is very, very individual. Um, the experiences have been different for different people. Um, I think some of our challenges have been really at trying to recognize um, what, what needs people have and how we can best meet those needs. And it became clear to me several years ago that it's actually quite simple um, that um, what people need, uh, a lot of our clients um, that receive service from us, uh, the needs are the same needs that I have. They, they, they need a, um, a home, a friend, um, ideally a job, or something meaningful to do with their time. So I think some of our challenges as an organization has been trying to develop programs and services to meet those types of needs and to better understand those needs um, so part of the challenge, too, I think, for us has been to find a place within a bigger system. Um, in Ontario, there, there's about 300 publicly funded community mental health programs. And up until recent years, they were all, we were all speaking different languages. We were using different assessment tools, and we weren't speaking to each other um, as effectively as we do today. And um, so there's been a number of improvements and tools that... Um, the majority of agencies have, have gone on board with. And so I think at a systems level, um, some of the challenges are smoothing out the wrinkles, but I think that that makes it better, um, a, a more meaningful impact, a collective impact. 
for, for those with, uh, learning and uh, living and coping with serious mental illness. Um, I'm not quite sure, Dr. Atherley, if I responded to your question in the way... Yes, you have indeed. You okay. have indeed. Um, I'm just going to read back to you this um, from what I've heard. That is, these challenges can be very different from one person to another, and that in turn... Uh, creates challenges for the people providing the care yeah. so that it's individualized. Is that right? Absolutely. I, we really encourage, I encourage the staff as do those management and I think individuals providing direct service to our clients that um, we really need to be very patient. We need to listen to the individual and um, take our time in trying to understand their needs and not assume what they are and, and not project our goals into their life. Um, a lot of times I think family members and professionals make that mistake. We think we know what's best, but research seems to indicate that that's not true. And no, therefore, I'm going to stop you there because you've um, taken me into the very next question I wanted to ask you, which is this. What, please tell us more about the challenges that mental ill health creates for the families and the family caregivers of the person's who are living with the mental ill health. Mm. What about those challenges? I, I think people have gone through um, some real hardships. Um, someone living in a family home developing a psychotic disorder like schizophrenia is very scary for everyone involved. Uh, the person experiencing the illness starts to um, exhibit odd behavior. And so often families may assume that... Um, it's uh, maybe a, re a result of drug abuse, or they might have some other false assumptions because uh, mental illness is horribly uh, stigmatized, and so people are often embarrassed and don't like the labels that come with it. So a family learning to deal with this is, is a very pressured situation. They have a, a son or daughter that's behaving very strangely. They don't, they're hesitant to label their, their loved one and hoping that maybe it's something else, um, as eventually they find themselves connected to primary care, it's usually a result of um, a tragic event. Maybe they've tried to harm themselves or someone else due to the psychosis. They find themselves in the hospital and begin to navigate a very fragmented mental health system, trying to find the, the support that they need. And some family members um, try to take on that challenge. And uh, some families have done a really wonderful job, but it's, the results tend to be better um, when there's more involved, more people involved in providing the support. Um, so uh, I think what we try to do with family members that are more involved with their loved one is develop therapeutic alliance so that um, we're working together at meeting um, the individual's needs and um, trying to uh, collectively support their wellness. Right. Now, I wanted to say more, please, about the challenges that the mental ill health that we're talking about creates for the healthcare and social systems. Mm -hmm. Eric? Again, I think that um, things have been horribly stigmatized, so the response often hasn't been compassionate. In the past, there's been a lot of labeling and blaming, so you might have someone that is delusional, and they may believe they're having a wonderful vacation in Florida, when in fact they're walking downtown staring into shop windows um, and late, maybe late in the evening. 
you know, resulting in people from the community being concerned, maybe the police being involved. So my sense of things are that this is improving, that there's more acceptance and more awareness. Um, but I still think we have a long way to go before there's um, adequate understanding. I, unfortunately, with this particular disability, it has been treated very harshly. In fact, as a young man growing up in Ontario, as a child, I recall the common term for someone with mental illness was a bum. Uh, we thought that for some reason people intentionally wanted to live under a bridge and, and be antisocial. And uh, I think that's the extent of uh, the lack of understanding, that it was uh, really bred into the culture, this type of thinking. Um, and I, I think there's been some wonderful breakthroughs, um, maybe through Hollywood. There was a, a, a wonderful film a few years ago called The Beautiful Mind about a Nobel-winning um, mathematician who um, who was living with schizophrenia. And um, I think that's important for us to consider as well. Sometimes we think maybe a, a family member may have no hope. Uh, their future is is done. Uh, you know, this illness is so horrible. And um, that's why it's important to talk to professionals as well and try to have more people involved in the, in the, in the, um, the support because it's maintaining that, those hopeful expectations that allow people to to uh, realize more hopeful reality. And I think if, if, if they've lost hope in their own future and we've given up hope on them, then there is no hope and the results are, are quite unfortunate. So I, I think That's... it's really important for, for family members to overcome that challenge of um, uh, it, it's a little bit depressing and uh, difficult to cope with. But if, if we recognize that... Um, people can overcome this challenge, that uh, many people that have been very floridly psychotic and very ill have moved on to great successes in their lives. And as long as we don't forget that, there's, there's hope for everyone. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you an extension of the question. I'd asked you about social systems, and you, you'd answered that. I'm going to add one, the justice system. Mm -hmm. um, we read in the newspapers about how people with mental illnesses um, get into difficulties with the uh, justice system mm -hmm. and even um, become injured or lose their lives as a result of these interactions. Eric, please could you say more that you're comfortable saying about the interactions with the justice systems? I, Eric? I think it's quite unfortunate. Uh, my understanding is consistent with what you've just stated. Um, in fact, uh, I think the correction system has become a very large psychiatric hospital. And I'm not saying all inmates uh, have serious mental illness, but um, there's far too many people that haven't received the support and care um, to have uh, healthy, productive lives. And, um, and instead of the hospital, they're, they're sent to a prison. Uh, I know within the last decade that there was a, a legal challenge. I believe it started in Quebec. Um, it came from the fact that there was a number of um, people in prison that were vulnerable that had died there, that were killed there, and they were very vulnerable. And it led to a further investigation um, resulting in the recognition that far too many people with serious mental illness are being wrongfully housed in correctional environments. And it resulted in something called Accord Funding, and this is where five ministries came together to try to roll out some new services to stop this tragic tendency. 
So now I believe there's more of an effort at helping people once they leave a correctional environment um, to not return. And there's also more opportunities for people as they find themselves in compromised situations um, in terms of where they can go to to become more well. And I think in the past, people were put in police cars and and, uh, wrongfully jailed. Uh, I believe that that's now changing. However, it still is far too common. And I know when it comes to our service, we've uh, worked with a number of people that have been in conflict with the law. And in most of the cases, it seems like um, the individual has been the victim. Yeah. Now, we're going to stop there only because, once again, it's time for the break. So we'll take it now. But we're going to talk more about all of those things that you've been mentioning, Eric. Terrific. So this is Dr. Gordon Leslie, and my guest is Eric Tripp McKay. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Eric Tripp McKay. Your, our topic is Peace Ranch Supportive Housing Rehabilitation for Adults 
living with mental illnesses. So now let's talk about how Peace Ranch addresses the challenges that the mental ill health creates. So, Eric, how does Peace Ranch help to address the challenges that the mental ill health creates for the persons living with it? What are your approaches to that challenge or those set challenges? Eric? Okay. Um, earlier I stated that what I, we, we think people need is, is a home, a friend, and a, and a job. Um, and so when it comes to the home, um, I've touched uh, lightly upon our housing services, our programs, apartments we have in the surrounding communities, and our home base, a farmhouse housing program. I spoke a little bit about some of our day program services. Um, I, I didn't uh, link the fact that a lot of that is about social rehab. So we, we provide social rehabilitation, and, and uh, it, it's, um, it's unfortunate that many people uh, coping with mental illness find themselves isolated, um, socially removed from the world, and that just exasperates the symptoms of illness. Um, um, but what's, what, what, what I wanted to, to share with you, Dr. Atherley, is an exciting, uh, a newer venture for Peace Ranch, and that's, that's the third thing I mentioned that benefits people is, is some productive, meaningful daytime activity and maybe ultimately a job um, with some compensation helps to build confidence and self-esteem. Um, we started a social purpose enterprise uh, at Peace Ranch, and what we're doing is some production farming here. And we've hired adults with mental health issues that live in the surrounding communities to be employees in this initiative. And so they learn about horticulture and how to plant seeds and hill and till and weed and cultivate and harvest. And then we sell this produce. Um, um, so we have a market garden business, and we sell produce one day a week on-site, and we have a number of businesses we sell our produce as well. So we're gearing this up. So some of the, the challenge, I think, is, is not unique to any other business starting out, um, but um, I think the, it, it, there's tremendous value in that there's a lack of these types of opportunities um, for people with mental illness. And uh, I think it's really important to try to find ways where they can have that meaning and purpose and ideally a job. So this last season, we've, we've created employment for six adults with mental illness. Um, it's, um, it's only a seasonal-based employment opportunity at this time, but we're also in the process of putting up a four-season uh, greenhouse on site. Um, so we have some construction going on. Uh, despite the few inches of snow we have here in Caledon, the, the greenhouse is moving forward. So um, I just wanted to share that with you, Dr. Atherley, because I think that is such a critical um, need out there. And uh, our, our experience has been once people have that job, it creates a great um, catalyst to um, support other recovery needs that they have. Right. Now, how does Peace Ranch address um, or help to address the challenges that the mental illness creates for the families and the family caregivers of the persons living with the mental illness. Mm. Eric? I think um, it, it depends uh, on our service. Um, for our, the clients that we reside in our high support environment, we organize family conferences 
and uh, touch base around what's working and what's not working. We try to offer the, the family support around challenges they have when their loved one is maybe visiting for a weekend or during the holiday season. Um, when it comes to our day program services, um, uh, sometimes we have family members that volunteer and uh, they stay connected to their loved one and to what our services are about through their volunteer work. And um, we also have an annual family day um, called Springterfest, and we invite all family members to uh, participate in some rule-based activities, and it's a, it's a fun day. And then from there, depending on um, what families want, need, or ask, we, we try to do our best at, at providing them with information or support. That's a revolution that you're describing, isn't it? That is to say, you bring the families in um, to work with, if they wishing, if they wish to do this, uh, the people who are in your care, and the people in your care have jobs, have an opportunity in a way to learn to earn their living, and have that sense of value. That, when we look at the history of the way these mental illnesses were treated in every country and not just Canada, um, what, you, what you're doing is reversing history in that particular sense. Now, I want to go back to the question of how Peace Wrench helps address the challenges that the mental health creates for the healthcare and social and justice systems. Please say more about that. Um, depending on the person. Um, sometimes they need more social support, and so it could be some social skill building. Um, after a person goes through um, a nasty psychotic episode, sometimes um, there's deficits, and people need to relearn skills that they once had solidly in place. So some people need a little bit of support around improving their, their social skills so that they can interact in the community and, with, uh, and, and uh, learn to build friendships. Um, other clients do quite well on that front and require more specific strategies that help them uh, cope with um, auditory hallucinations, visual hallucinations. Um, other clients may have uh, struggles um, where the depression seems to be the, 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 the issue that causes their life the most trouble. So um, what we do is we develop an individual care plan for each of our clients, and uh, that allows our staff to help them through crisis, but also allow them to keep moving forward with their rehabilitation. With the ultimate goal of, of independence and uh, improved um, satisfaction in their life. And uh, I, if I could just add this, uh, so that their life becomes as normal, as, as productive and as happy as is possible for them. Is that right? I think that's very well said, Dr. Atherley. That is the goal. Um, we sometimes struggle with what's normal. Um, but uh, absolutely, yes. I think to try to normalize things a little bit allows people to fit into the world more easily yes. and, again, find that important meaning and purpose. Yeah. Now, I just want to go back into the history again in a, in a different way. The places where people with mental illness were put mm. were called asylums. Yes. And they really only disappeared over um, the last 10 to 20 years. Yeah. And 
there people were basically kept in a sort of hospital mm. um, where they were seen as being sick, but they weren't really being seen as people with, who were capable of any kind of recovery. And that, uh, many of us believe, and I'm going to turn this into a question for you, was one of the reasons why the people with the illnesses, the mental illnesses, became were stigmatized. Mm. Have I got that right? Do you agree with that? I, I, absolutely. I think that's where... where um things started to change. There was a deinstitutionalization movement, and as these asylums and provincial psychiatric hospitals began to close down, people were moved into the community. And uh, that was a real transformation. Um, uh, nobody was quite sure what that would look like and how that would work. Uh, initially, I think there was a variety of group homes uh, in the 1970s, and um, People were moved from provincial hospitals to psychiatric group homes. And then from there, there started to evolve a, a broader continuum of housing opportunities and different services that help ensure people are able to live outside of hospital. Um, I think it's unfortunate that some of the people that had lived in um, the asylums for so long have become um, horribly institutionalized, and they've given up um, hope in their own lives. Um, we have worked with some clients that have lived in, in asylums for most of their lives, and I find that um, it's, it's, a, it's a rigorous um, endeavor to try to have them realize that their life can be more than, than, than what they've known it to be. And I find that sometimes the biggest challenge because uh, they're coping with stigma, institutionalization. And um, I think we live in a better world today because those environments are closed down. But I still think we have a long way to go in terms of um, making for a better health care system. I'm going to put a, what's called a leading question to you. So let me do that. Would it be right, would you agree with this point, that what Peace Ranch is doing overall is bringing hope to what has been in the past viewed as a hopeless kind of challenge? And I'm talking about mental illness. Mm. Is that what you're doing, is bringing hope to I, society, to the parents, to the families, and to the people themselves? Is that right? I think that's an important part of the message that we'd like to get out. Um, like we believe that all people deserve to live with hope, dignity, and respect. And so I think that's like a real important value that Peace Ranch is invested in, and we try to weave that throughout the organization. Right. Uh, we believe in assisting people to regain the life they once lived through hope, healing, empowerment, and connection. And uh, we think working together in harmony, um, we share time for reflection and feel uh, the abundance of the gifts that, that can be part of life. And so I think from a place of hopeful expectations, people also start to see the world in a different way. They start to awaken to um, the beauty that surrounds them in daily living. And if we can move the mind to a more a place where it's open to the good in this life, I think it has a tremendous impact on one's well-being. Absolutely. Now, once more, it's time to take the break, so we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Eric Tripp, 
McKay. Um, you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. When you think of museums, what comes to mind? Is it ancient history? Rotating displays of collections? Are they nice places to visit? Or are they essential to our cities and society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert. We'll discuss what the attraction is and historical importance of museums and what they contribute to the economic makeup of our cities and country. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Eric Tripp McKay. Our topic is Peace Ranch, Supportive Housing and Rehabilitation for Adults Living with Mental Illnesses. So, Eric, now let's talk about the things that you would like to do and see done to provide more help to meet the challenges that the mental ill health creates. So first of all, Eric, what more would you personally like to do through your work as Executive Director, Peace Ranch, Caledon, Ontario? Mm, we we have many ambitions. Um, so I think at this time, one area that I'm very interested in is I believe we've got some fantastic services, good housing programs, um, and we're looking at continuous improvement. So one thing outside of expansion and moving into meeting needs that we don't currently meet is to um, look at our, we're developing a quality improvement plan and we're looking at becoming an accredited organization. So um, some of 
my ambition at this time is to make internal improvements within the organization so that we continually yield better and better results for the people we're here and committed to serve. Um, outside of that effort, we are looking at um, meeting needs that we don't we believe we have capacity to meet, but we don't have much uh, a lot of experience doing it. So we're looking at working with some partners uh, and integrating with some other service providers that um, we believe we have expertise in one area and they have expertise in another area, and together we may be able to meet needs. Um, and so we're looking at, uh, I think, more partnership, a little bit more integration, and uh, reaching uh, into our surrounding communities and trying to meet some of the the, the unmet needs. Um, for example, it's... Uh, recently uh, come to light that um, uh, uh, there was a suicide statistic that was a shock to me. And um, it turned out that uh, uh, individuals at a high risk for suicide um, are are adult men uh, over 70 years of age are in a very, very high risk for suicide. I found that uh, statistic quite shocking. I always assumed it was the young adolescent female that was at the highest risk. Um, of course, there's a variety of contributing factors. But once we became aware that seniors um, coping with depression are experiencing some true hardship, um, we decided to reach out to another local agency called Meals on Wheels. And uh, they provide... Um, uh, meals to seniors living in their own homes and a variety of other programs. And we thought by working with them, we could try to reach out to the most vulnerable um, seniors living in this community and try to develop some social wellness um, programs for them so that they don't feel as isolated and we can begin to look at some of the causes of depression and um, what's motivating this high suicide rate and what can we do to um, to reduce that tendency. So that's one example of a partnership that I'm interested in exploring. Uh, right. we, have, no. we have about 12 of them um, that we're currently looking at. Wow. So to simplify the question, I think we're looking at expanding beyond what we currently offer with a range of services and at the same time in tandem uh, really um, commit to quality improvement. Eric, just quickly, what more would you like to see done by the healthcare and social systems? <clears throat> I would like to see um, ongoing efforts uh, at um, bringing supports that people require um, into environments that they're more comfortable receiving the support. So um, more uh, uh, more community-based um, response to needs that will reduce crisis, that will reduce people ending up in emergency room, um, reduce hospital days uh, due to psychosis or um, other uh, mental health issues. So I think what I would like to see happen is more of what's been occurring over the last decade. Um, I think I would prefer to be part of a proactive system. I think uh, a lot of investment's been made in Band-Aid solutions, um, crisis response. I think if we were to build a system that um, had a greater impact at um, reducing the degree of crisis that people experience. I would like to see things move in that direction. 
Um, I think hospitals are an important place, uh, um, but uh, I think they, like the prison system, sometimes get misused and aren't always the best way of meeting a person's needs. And uh, people aren't often happy being in the hospital either, um, locked up in a psych ward. Um, Sometimes people want that treatment and support, and other times they feel like their rights are being violated and they've lost their freedom. Often people are placed in that environment under a Form 1, and so that's an involuntary situation where they're held in the hospital. Um, So I think if we can work together, um, organizations, um, working with family members and volunteers towards building a system that... um, will reduce unnecessary hospital time, I think, would be a really good uh, move forward. And I don't want that to be confused with the idea that I don't think the hospital environment's important. It certainly is. Um, But uh, if we're able to develop more of a preventative environment, I, I think that would be ideal. And more of the kind of environment that you offer and that you've so well described, which brings that sense of dignity, sense of worth, the sense of value in a beautiful surrounding. That's Mm. right, isn't it? Now, very, very quickly, I'd like to ask you this. What is your message for family caregivers who are just starting out on their journey of caring for a family member with a serious mental illness? Mm. What's your message? Often you hear the word recovery and you think, great, um, we're going to take these um, psychotropic medications and um, there will be recovery. Um, But recovery doesn't necessarily mean that all symptoms are gone. And it's important that you don't give up hope just because your loved one is still struggling with some symptoms of illness. Um, because despite that, they can still find um, ways of moving forward with their wellness. And um, uh, in today's world, the treatment has improved greatly. So if you're someone in a situation with a loved one that responds really well to medication, you don't have a whole lot to worry about. Um, It seems that in today's world, a lot of folks that become diagnosed get very good treatment, and they don't miss a beat. They just move on with their life. But we still have a large number of people that don't respond to treatment. And if your loved one is in that situation, uh, do your best not to despair. Um, It's important that you try to find hope and you look towards a more positive future. And as long as you're able to hold on to that, I think um, that's really important for you and for your loved one. That word hope, again, powerful. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this very important episode so I want to say thank you to Eric and all those things that you were talking about that you do and that you were talking about that you want to do I wish you every success in getting all the resources that you need to do do those things and one of these fine days I'd like to hear more from you about how the future has been working out for you. So many, many thanks for this and all success to you. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear ideas about topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be seniors and drivers with disabilities getting gas at Florida self-service stations. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then.
Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.